Coming up, lessons on becoming a better leader from a five-time founder turned business coach. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Military Millionaire Podcast. If you're new here, we have a Facebook group with over 60,000 members, a YouTube channel, both full of free content, the blog, everything else. And then we have the Mastermind, the War Room Mastermind Group, which is a high level mastermind for like minded people to jump in and just network with their people. This is a phenomenal veteran community full of people wanting to strive for that next step. Now, the whole goal of this community is to help build you into becoming a better entrepreneur, investor, and achieving that financial freedom, and to just enjoy the journey along the way too. Now, if you're like me, you probably struggle with balance and between business and work and everything else. And today's guest has mastered helping other people get through that, right? Now, he's also, if you're not familiar with this gentleman, his name is Peter Awid, and he has built a ton of businesses, founded over five, and one of those is Mission Meats, which makes delicious beef jerky, by the way, if you haven't tried it before. Now, he mentors and coaches business leaders, and today he's going to share his secrets with us. We're going to cover things like the 70-30 tool. We're going to talk through things like the challenge support matrix, the 70-30 tool, which you'll learn more about, the questions you should ask yourself to find that higher purpose in life, and just some interesting stories about traveling the world in an RV or at least the country and why he's been able to do, why he does that and how he's been able to do that. So without further ado, let's bring in Peter right now. Peter, welcome to the show, brother. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. Doing awesome. How about you? Um, man, it's, uh, I think we were talking right before the show, right? Today has just been chaos, but, uh, the good kind of chaos, lots of good things moving. So Red. no, com- no complaints other than I think the day should end at some point and I should be able to catch up on other things, but you know, it might not happen. Um, uh, <laughs> no, it probably <laughs> won't. Um, oh my gosh. All right. So now I know you're, you've done the founder thing quite a few times and yeah. today we're going to focus more on leadership right and Mm -hmm. the uh, like finding your voice and how to become a leader that people are going to follow which obviously is something that you have played into a lot having gone through the founder game i'm curious Mm -hmm. uh at what point in your evolution through you know your your story was leadership something that just stuck out to you as like oh this is the key pillar and this is what i need to lean into to make some of these things successful Yeah, I think learning a lot of the tools and resources I've learned as a leadership coach and like leaning into that and doing research and then reading books on leadership, you realize, and this is like what you and I were talking about previously, we're all in a leadership position. I just didn't know it. And a lot of us don't know it because we just kind of find ourselves in a place where we're either in a position of power because we founded a company or everybody's looking at us for an answer 
and not realizing like that is leadership. We're also leading people at home, whether we like it or not, leading people in our community, our churches and our groups and our, you know, uh, you know, around the water cooler, wherever it is that you hang out. Like we're, we all have an opportunity and we're all in positions of leadership. We just don't know what's called that. Um, but to specifically answer your question, David, I think that for me, um, it's realizing like why certain relationships didn't work out and why certain businesses didn't work out, why certain situations kind of fizzled, uh, why partnerships kind of fractured um, and realizing it was you're in a position of leadership and not knowing it. But then on top of that, not understanding what what I always say is like what it's like to be on the other side of you. Like we all mm. think because we've been with ourselves our whole life that like we're really, really good and likable. And, you know, we say <laughs> things right and our ideas are the best, right? Like, and of course you think your idea is the best. It's your idea. If you didn't think it was the best one, you'd have a different idea and you think that one was the best. And because you think your idea is the best, that means somebody else's idea is not as good. And because you think somebody else's idea is not as good, well, it doesn't have as much credibility. And then you poo-poo it. And then you don't look into it. And then maybe like, oh, well, maybe... David's idea was better than mine, but I didn't want to hear it because I was so fixated and in love with my own idea. Right. And so I think that for me, my journey has been realizing like there's what I like to call the shadow of your personality, the shadow of the strength. We're all really, really good at certain things. And we all have certain skill sets that make us world-class or, or, or strive for excellence in certain categories. Um, but sometimes we're overproductive and we're underpresent. Sometimes our families don't know who we are because we're so driven. Sometimes because we're so driven, we can just straight up steamroll other people. It's like realizing those things, realizing that that's why certain relationships don't work out or why certain team members are quieter, why they're not speaking up, why even when you tell them, hey, I really want, David, I really want your honest opinion on this, they don't give it to you. And, and there's, there's certain reasons for that. And understanding that, it's like, oh, man, you can really unlock a lot of potential, both for yourself and your company, but for your team, when you realize, like, okay, I talk too much. Maybe I'll shut up and let everybody else talk. Or I steamroll people's ideas, so maybe I'll let them share first, and I just listen, right? Um, and those are hard things, man. Those are hard realizations is to realize, like, man, you know what? And this is a question somebody posed to me probably 10 years ago because I've been married almost 20 years now. They're like, Peter, what do you think it's like being married to you? And I'm like, hmm, it's gnarly. It's not, it's maybe awful, downright awful, right? You know what I mean? Like realizing that it's like, okay, it just allows yeah. you to like hold up the mirror and be like, okay, dude, I, yeah, I've got some scars. I'm not as pretty as I thought I was, right? Not cosmetically, you know what I mean? But like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hard to deal with. Yeah. You know? Maybe my, maybe my poo does stink. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I, it's funny, uh, you know, so I spent 13 years in the Marine Corps, right? And every first sergeant, sergeant major, company commander, battalion commander, you know, regimental commander that I ever worked for when they first come on board or you first come on board and they're doing their like intro to you, there's this phrase, open door policy that gets just thrown all over the military. And every single one of them has a uh, open door policy. Bring me any issues, whatever. And what you realize real quickly is, uh, man, it's rare to find somebody who's actually got an open door policy. They all have like, a, oh, yeah, you can come talk to me about whatever, but it's definitely not open. It's very, uh, 
like, yeah, cool. You know, so when you talk about poo poo and other people's ideas or, or some of that stuff, which is not to say that anyone's doing it intentionally, but it, I can, I can relate uh, <laughs> to going in to bring things up and realizing I should have just not wasted my own time. I'll, I'll go, I'll go screw myself. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. The door's open, but they don't want you walking through it. And if you do, you're, you better have some, a good reason for it. And it doesn't mean they even want to hear yeah. it. Right. So the stat I always throw around is like the average company is less than 60% efficient, 60% effective, like living into less than 60% of their full potential. And why is that? A lot of it has to do with like people being misunderstood, not knowing how to communicate, not knowing how to lead proper, properly. When they say their door is open, they don't actually mean it. They want they want critical feedback, but like, do they do they do they actually want it? No, you know. You hear people say like, "Yeah, man, they're not, I I asked the team like, give me brutal and honest feedback, but they won't do it." And why is that? It's because you've proven that that's not true. The door is open, but you come in and I yell at David. Why did you come in here? I'm busy, right? You're like, oh, I thought the door was open. It's open, but not right now. Maybe next time. And eventually you just stop walking through it. You know, put your head down and just like do what you need to do and be quiet, right? Because it's too painful to actually speak up because they don't actually want to hear what you have to say, right? And these are hard things for me to say because I've been that guy. And a lot of times I'm still that guy where it's like, yeah, you know, dude, yeah, I'm, I just don't have the capacity to listen to your crap right now right um and so that just creates that culture of mistrust where it's like okay forget it i'm just not i'm not I'm not bringing it up peter doesn't want to hear it he's he, he says he wants to hear it, but he doesn't mm -hmm. and so you know part of the stuff that we coach about is understanding your voice and then understanding what will trigger you right which is an overused term now and then triggers then cause you to de deploy your weapon system. So I'll pick on myself for a minute. So the voices are nurturer, creative, guardian, connector, pioneer. And I, we don't have enough time to talk about what all those are, but pioneer is somebody who sees that they, they're future-oriented. They're always vision casting. They like strategic vision. They like results. They like to problem solve, right? Like they're like, these are typically your founders. Not always, but usually. 7% of the population. So when I tested like that, I'm like, oh, look at me. I'm special, 7%. But then you realize like, no, that's actually not the best thing because that means you are you don't communicate is the same as 93% of the population. Like 43% are nurturers, right? Nurturers are actually my nemesis voice. Nemesis is not necessarily a negative thing. It's more so like those are the voices I am going to have the hardest time understanding and being able to communicate with. So almost half of the population, 43% of the population, I have an incredibly difficult time understanding their worldview, how they like to process information, how they like to communicate. They're typically quiet. They like to think about the present. It's a bad thing. But what's cool about learning this sort of stuff is it doesn't give you a yeah. license to like be poor at communicating with those people. It gives you tools to understand like, okay, maybe let the nurturer speak first because they're quietest and they're least likely to speak up. They're probably just going to acquiesce to whatever your idea is if you let them speak last. Let them speak first. Ask them to raise their hand. Ask them to speak up and actually listen and process the information. And so, like, understanding that and understanding that, you know, I'm only, you know, I only communicate the same as 7% of the population helped me to understand the team better. Um, but it also allowed me to understand what my triggers are. So my triggers are 
people that are threatening my vision, people that are wasting my time, people that I, I perceive as incompetent, right? Now, who are those people going to be? Could be maybe the guardian voice. The guardian voice is someone who likes to dot I's and cross T's. They're like more of like a controller or accountant, right? CFO, that sort of person, right? Bean counter, maybe, if you want to talk to them about it in a negative way. Yeah. I'm going to see those people as threatening my vision, right? Like, dude, why, David, like, if you're a guardian, why are you asking me all these questions? Can't you see it? You must be incompetent, right? And you're not. You're actually trying to protect the vision. You're trying to see it through for the company. You actually wanted to succeed. And because of that, you're going to ask all the hard questions because that's the way you operate. That's your voice. And if I know that about you, mm. then I'll come more prepared than I normally would because I know David's going to ask me hard questions. And it's not because he's incompetent. It's not because he's a time waster. It's because he's trying to protect the project. He's trying to protect the vision and he's going to ask those questions. And so if I know that, then we're not going to have this 60%, less than 60% sort of effectiveness or potential problem because I know how you operate and I'm, you're not my nemesis, man, right? You're actually, we're working side by side and you're the yin to my yang, so to speak, right? And so we can, we can communicate like that. And conversely, you know, I'm going to be like pie in the sky visionary. And so, and you want to ask me a hundred questions, but you know, that's going to kill my momentum, right? You're like, dude, if I do that, bro, I'm going to like, I'm popping this balloon. I'm not doing that. So I'll bring my top five questions, just five, but they're going to be my five best questions and I'll get those answered and I'll maybe feel a little uneasy because he's a little too pie in the sky, but I know that's how he operates and he's not like totally crazy. We need that sort of future casting, sort of vision casting, right? Strategic vision. And so that's just like an example of like yeah. me understanding your voice, you understanding mine. And now we're like, we're, we're in lockstep, man. We're working together. Like we're a team versus me having to protect my idea and defend it. And you being like, you know what? Anything that comes out of Peter's mouth, I'm just going to shoot it down because he's always, he's just way out there. He's too far out for me. I can't take this crap anymore. Right. And I've had people tell me that like, dude, just because it was your idea. I said, no, if it was anybody else, I would have said yes, but you yeah. no, because you drive me crazy. And same thing for like a guardian, you know, I'm like, Hey man, you want data? I don't give a crap. I'm just going to, I'm going to steamroll you. Right. And so those are the triggers in the weapon system for, for a pioneer is a grenade launcher. And what does that mean? That means that you trigger me. I think you're incompetent. I'm, I'm just, dude, I'm steamrolling you, bro. I'm going to blow you up. And it was, that was really hard to hear. Right. I was like, 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 dude, I cause I'm, immediately I'm like, yeah, I do that. And the funniest thing is, is this is on my desk and your, your audience will know it's a, it's a world war two practice grenade. It's legit. I've got one back there. Yeah. Well, I have a, a fake one, but. <laughs> somewhere i don't know where it is yeah no i bought this i bought this off of a vet man it was at it was, anyways middle of nowhere in nebraska but um for 12 bucks um but i've had that on my desk man it's been on my desk for like 10 years and i'm like man this hits really close to home like maybe a little too close to home but anyways man so that's like an example of like understanding your voice and how incredibly powerful it can be as a leader to have those tools and understand like man i could do a better job um, and these are certain people on my team that are, you know, if you think you've hired somebody incompetent, either they really are and you shouldn't have hired them, then let's go ahead and fire them right now. Otherwise, if you know you hired some smart people and you need to unlock their potential, it's, you're, you, then it's, you, it's time that you start figuring out who they are, how they operate, how they see the world, um, and the type of information they process and how they process and start utilizing it. And the thing for me, what's really exciting about that, David, is like, think about the ROI on that. I mean, what's your, one of your most expensive 
expenses, right, is, is payroll, man. It's people. And imagine if you can unlock all this Absolutely. latent potential that's there. It's already there. You don't need to hire more people. You need to unlock the potential that's already there. That's already in the building, so to speak. I like that. I like that a lot. And I think it's, uh, you know, when you talk like disk profile and all these different tests, it, it becomes really eye-opening to hear exactly what you're talking about, where it's like, you know, I, I I'm, I, I have not taken that specific test, but I'd imagine I'd probably ping as a pioneer. And I'm definitely, I mean, everybody's got a little bit of everything in it, but like, details stress me out more than anything. I always joke with people when I'm doing like apartment syndications and being hit up for, for raises. I'm like, yo, give me a picture of the property and tell me how much money you're going to give back to me. If I give you a hundred grand in the next five years, you know, just tell me that I don't, if I want all the details, I'll look through them, but I don't want to sit through an hour long PowerPoint. I want you to tell me what's my return. Here's a picture of the property. (laughs) Like I'll have questions if I got them, you know, and I had a, uh, acquisitions guy who was so detailed and you know like you said never anything bad but boy did it stress me out i'd be like you know what not not today not now later (laughs) later i had to like set a timeline i was like anything before 11 a.m that doesn't cost me five grand don't it can wait till 11.05 (laughs) like before 11 is my time nobody because it was just like there were there were no rules about it and i was like oh my god i can't handle all the questions and details and stress and like i need my time uh you know but we got to where we communicated through that and it was like look dude it's not that anything you're saying is bad in fact most of it saves me from making really bad mistakes but it also stresses me out so you got to give me time to do other stuff before that comes in otherwise like the whole day is off because I'm just chasing, chasing tail um, yeah. or chasing my own tail, I guess. But Yeah. Yeah. Or both. I don't know. Um, I, that's a real healthy sort of leadership right there, man. Like he, he understands how you operate and he understands how important it is for David to be on fire and excited and passionate and like pie in the sky, so to speak. And if he killed that, that would kill momentum. But he also knows it's important to communicate what he wants to communicate to you. So he's got to do both, right? Um, and then you guys have set up some sort of like communication code where it's like, hey, dude, before this time, you're going to kill my momentum. It's going to ruin my day. It's basically what you told him. Hey, bro, you come in before 11 o'clock, you're going to ruin my day. And that's going to derail everything and I'm not going to be able to function properly. Yep. Um, and you set up your mind to be like, all right, this guy, he's going to come in the afternoon. He brings me news. Sometimes it feels like bad news, but it's important news. And so I'm going to see this as very valuable, important stuff. That's exactly what I'm talking about, man. That's good leadership. That's, uh, you know, it takes some, it's, it's, it's feeling things out for sure. Uh, but it sounds like your leadership coaching, uh, I hear a very heavy amount of empathy in the things that we're talking about. It sounds like, like where you're having to put yourself into their shoes and that's not, I mean, that's easier said than done for a lot of people, especially like the high D, you know, the drivers where they often don't stop to smell the roses. It seems like. What, uh, do you have any tools that you've, I mean, it sounds like you're similar to my personality, um, at least in the, that kind of sense. So like what kind of tools or reminders have you given yourself to like help you remember to stop and smell the roses essentially with your team? Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's keeping these types of tools, toolkits out, uh, and, um, top of mind, man. Um, I think it's using them on a regular basis. I think it's like sharing the vocabulary with your team, right? Um, there's a, a tool we teach called communication code. 
And it's a way to understand how to, uh, and, and recognize how people, um, like what their default communication code is. And so, um, just to give you an example, you've got some people on your team that all they want to do is critique all the time, bring them an idea, critique it. Right. And sometimes you can handle it and sometimes you can't. And if you stop to ask yourself a reason why it's because you're in a different mode than they are. Right. If they're in critique mode all the time, and sometimes you're like, man, this dude, he just pissed me off today. Like, I don't know what the hell. Like, sometimes I can take it, but today I couldn't take it. And it's because you brought him an idea and he thought you were, you were bringing it and you want to critique. And you're like, no, dude, I'm not like this idea is not baked yet. I wanted you to come like clarify and that you clarify and make sure that you understand what I'm talking about. And then I just wanted to collaborate with you, bro. I just wanted to sit and like riff off the idea. It wasn't fully baked. And you just like went and you like shot it down. And I wasn't ready for that. Right. And so that's one of the tools I've actually been using it at home a lot with the kids. Right. And with my wife too. Um, and the thing is, is like they did a study on this communication code specifically with the teams that we coach. And most people, when they bring you something, the very first thing they want is clarify. And what does that mean? If I talk to you about something, the very best thing you can do, and this is, I mean, this is sales tactic too, right? Repeat it back to me. Show me that you were actually listening. Show me that you understood what I was talking mm -hmm. about and the reasons why it was important to me. Like that's going to make somebody make, feel, make them feel better than ever. It's like, oh shoot, David was listening, right? When someone, you know that you can probably relate to that and probably an example comes to mind of something, somebody who did that recently, right? We're like, dude, that person was really listening. They just repeated it right back to me like, oh my gosh, like I feel like I feel heard. And I don't care about the most macho guy ever, right? Macho gal ever. When you feel heard, it's a pretty damn good feeling. And so most people, when they're communicating, the first thing they want is to you to clarify. And then after clarification, you can then ask, say, hey, so, and I've done this with my wife. She didn't even know it. I brought it up to her later. I'm like, hey, I used this tool on you several times today and it actually works really well. So I clarified. And then I said, hey, so why did you bring this to me? Did you want like, did you want me to collaborate with you on this? Or did you want me to shoot some holes in it? Did you want me to just celebrate and show that, you know, let you know that this is an exciting thing we should celebrate? Did you want me to just show you care? Like basically just listen and hear, hear you out. What did you want me to do? And she's like, oh, no, I was just hoping that you could like, we could like riff on this together and maybe make this idea an even better idea. I'm like, oh, okay. And then that, that gives me license to then communicate and understand how she wanted me to communicate back to her. And I don't know how many times it's happened to you, whether in personal life or business, where right away you went to solution, right? You're like, and then that person's like, no, dude, you didn't even hear what I said. You totally misunderstood what I said. It's because you didn't clarify, right? And then furthermore, they're like, I didn't even want you. I wasn't asking for feedback, David. I just wanted you to listen to me, right? How many times do we, I mean, we do it all the time. And so, you know, just a long way of answering your question. It's like, I think that using the tools on a regular basis allows me to then continue to level up my leadership and my communication by just keeping them top of, top of mind and making it just second nature. And the more you use it, the more you're like, it just becomes a habit. So that's, that's what's worked for me anyways. Cause I naturally just like, like they, you know, the, on the five voices, the, for the pioneer, they say, watch out for pioneers because they lack sensitivity they can be unwilling to listen and perceived as arrogant. And I'm like, oh, that's spot on, right? Um, and so that's, and that's totally true. And the only <laughs> way that I'm going to get past that, bro, is, is by continuing to use the tools um, 
and you know we're fairly dumb creatures like i i need to like i need repetition man i gotta like i gotta do it over and over and over again yeah you know it's it's interesting how similar that is to uh and, and this is the cool thing with like leadership right is it it all uh cross pollinates so you're talking about asking hey do you want me to clarify poke holes whatever um you know that would be a great way for somebody to approach me because you're absolutely right there are times i bring out ideas and i'm like just shut up like let me enjoy my idea this was <laughs> yes. this is not done this is good i don't need you to ruin it but That's it's right. funny like when you talk cross-pollination um man what you said about that it just all i could think of was the quote from my marriage counselor at one point where it's like i need you to sit there and i need you to ask your wife do you want me to listen or do you want a solution <laughs> because yeah. I'm exactly the same way, right? As a, I'm a your typical guy fixer or whatever, where it's like, but but the answer is right here. Why don't you just let me do the like? This is this is the solution, and it's like mm -hmm. sometimes I just want to listen. I want yeah. you to listen, and that's uh, hard to remind myself of. Oh, it's hard, man. It's hard because we, yeah, we we are fixers. Like we want to, we see a problem, we're just let's find a solution. Let's go. We got to move on, right? Like let's go, go, go. Um, and you know, what's interesting, dude, is that if you, in this specific example, just let the other person speak and you understand that they just want you to show you that you care and be there a lot of times, then, then they'll like just suss out a solution on their own, which as a leader, dude, in a business to, to allow them to own the solution and, and it be their idea. That's such an, I mean, it's a massive feeling of empowerment, but now you're creating another, another leader within the organization. And part of what we do in our mantra is um, becoming a leader worth following, right? A leader somebody wants to follow, not have to follow. But then people that are leaders worth following, they then start creating other leaders worth following, right? Because this just starts to like um, ingrain itself in the culture of your business. And it just becomes the, the, the vocabulary that's shared. And then you start passing that on. You start passing that baton, so to speak. And so, yeah, letting someone just... You know, just speak it out, showing that you care, clarifying, um, and then it becomes their idea. I mean, it's, it's it's an incredible thing, but it's it's difficult for some of the some of our personalities. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, so okay, so there was a big podcast you were just recently on, Better Life, right? Yeah, and they, uh, I'm I'm assuming they're big podcasts. You know, I mean, they're still fairly hey, new. Bro, but I think I mean, you know, crushing what I'm doing. No, but. Nobody really knows what Brandon, who Brandon is, right? But you know, they're they're he's trying. <laughs> he's at least he's tall. Yeah, right. Yeah. This this bearded guy on Instagram is gonna, you know, he's got a little momentum. Brandon, uh, that's actually and that's and that Brandon and Alex are how we got we got connected, which is totally, which is awesome. Um, yeah. In there, you guys touched on there was an audio clip or a soundbite that went uh, out on social media talking about one of your tools, the seventy thirty tool, and I yeah. wanted to ask you about that and see if you share a little bit about that with the audience. Totally, man. Um, this tool hit me kind of hard, dude, because I was, I was saying earlier that there are certain things I've learned now, you know, feeling like I'm older now uh, where I'm like, man, if I would have just known that's what this was called or um, this tool existed or um, this thought process existed, I would have saved me so much pain. And so 70, 30, I'll explain what it is and then I'll tell you kind of my anecdote and kind of how it applied to me and how I've seen it play out in my life even before knowing that it, this tool is a thing. 
So the 70-30 principle is that you should spend 70% of your day on your unconscious competence. Now, what is unconscious competence? Those are your natural strengths. Those are activities that you find energizing. And the reason that they're an unconscious competence, they're just like, this is how God made you. They're ingrained in your DNA. They're just what comes easy. Like people come to you and they ask you for advice on this specific thing. And you just, and you find yourself learning and becoming better at it without even trying, right? It's like my kids and music. Um, I don't have to ask them to practice. They're just practicing all the time because they just, they just love it. And it's just a natural gift of theirs, right? The 30% is on your conscious competence. It's what you have to be consciously competent about. It means you have to really yeah, uh, spend the time, dedicate the time, commit the time to be better at these things. Um, and they're draining for you. They're, they're something that you've got to learn to be better at. It's like sitting and listening to your, your bean counter or whoever this was that you brought up, right? Your deal finder, deal analyzer. You had to, you had to, you had to learn yep. to be better at maybe analyzing deals, but also listening and talking with him and like doing the thing that you just don't want to do. Now, 70-30 is found to be the sweet spot of the unconscious competence to con- conscious competence ratio. Now, why is it not 50-50 or 99-1 or 90-10 or whatever? And I'll now I'll tell you the anecdote and kind of how I've seen this playing out in my life. I don't know about you, but if I'm like super lopsided, let's say I'm 30-70, I'm spending all this time on super draining, tedious tasks. And for me, that would be like analyzing you know, spreadsheets and dealing with you know accounting or dealing with accountants or dealing with lawyers, just really tedious stuff. Um, I, it will ruin my life. Like I will hate my life. I'll hate what I'm doing. I'll just get super pissed and just depressed really. So what do I do? I'm like, screw all this stuff. I am abdicating responsibility. That's not the word I would use, but that would, that's, that is what I've done. I'm abdicating responsibility. Just give it to John or Joe or Jane. Just make it go away. I never want to see this crap again. Just, I don't care if it gets done. I don't want to ever see it again. Don't talk to me about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, I'll go 99, one. <laughs> Right. You're not. And, you know, you've done it. So we've all oh, done yeah. it. So, so then you go 99 one. Right. And you're like, My life inbox. should be it's your inbox. Yeah. So, so it's perfect. So it's perfectly time, uh, perfectly time <laughs> example. <laughs> and so, dude, you do that and then your life falls apart or your business falls apart. And you're like, what's happening? I hated life before when it was 30, 70. But now it's almost worse. It's like the wheels fell off. And they did because you've abdicated responsibility for things that really you don't need to be spending a ton of time on it, but you need to be better about it. You need to understand it. You need to learn it. You cannot abdicate. Yes, you can delegate, but it needs to have specific support challenge, which I'll talk about in a minute. It's another tool we really should touch on. And that's the sweet spot. That's what keeps you in the game. That's what allows you and requires you to get better at the things that you're not naturally gifted at, but they're really just, they're just like the cost of doing business. Like you need to know how those things work. You need to know how the sausage is made. You don't need to make the sausage, but you need to know how it's made. They need to monitor, right? There needs to be some sort of scorecard and you got to have the meeting to check the metrics on the thing you don't care about. Um, So that's what the 70-30 tool is. And for me, it was really powerful, man, because it's interesting how simple we can be. It's when when you tell yourself, yeah, this is just my 30%. It's totally different than feeling like you're in the mire or in the muck and you're like, how did I find myself here? Oh my gosh, why am I analyzing deals again? Oh, my life sucks. And you're like, no, this is just your 30. You're like, oh, this is just my 30% time. Okay, no big deal. Like, I'm, this is not what my life mm-hmm. is. And this is not what, this is just my 30%. Okay, cool. Right. And then now you know, like, there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just this 
part of your day or part of your week that you spend doing the 30 that lets you do the 70, right? The unconscious competence. And when you, when you frame it like that, then it's like, okay, no, no big deal. Yes. I have this one o'clock call with, with this guy you mentioned, um, every Wednesday and it's necessary. It's my, it's part of my 30 and we'll do it and I'll grin and bear it. It's not a big deal. It's not, it's not the majority of my, the majority of my day is energizing work. That's okay. A little bit of draining. It's necessary. And so that's what the 70-30 tool is. I like that because you're you're absolutely right. It's way too easy to burn yourself out telling yourself you've got to do all these things that aren't your strengths. But on the flip side of that, if you never do any of that stuff, like are are, are you growing? Are you you know what are you what are you actually working on? Um, you can just kind of get lost in the sauce as I like to find myself. Um, yeah, so it's a good because it's, it's a good reminder because it's fun. Because it's fun, but here's the thing. There's a reason why there's a phrase called the starving artist, right? They just want to mm. do art all day. Just want to do art. Be like, yeah, bro, but you know what? That doesn't sell art. <laughs> like, no. you actually have to do the thing. Like, you, I know you don't like business, or maybe you don't like capitalism, or maybe you like, yeah, but you need to learn how to take credit card payments, and you got to learn marketing. And maybe you got to stand in a booth, bro. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? And so that's, oh, yeah. that's, I mean, that to me is like a real kind of, you know, it's a real world example of being totally lopsided and not doing the hard stuff. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm going to have to use that one. Uh, all right. So there was another tool in there and I, I slipped the, slipped the mind. You mentioned it. Uh, and you said we needed to come back Sup to it. Oh, and support challenge. I'm so glad that you remember that. I repeated it to myself like seven times. Like, don't forget that. And then as soon as it came time to ask the question, I was like, there it goes. <laughs> We're gone. So yeah. Well, let me see. Let me see if I can do it yeah. without without the visual, right? So just imagine you got a Y axis and an X axis, yeah. right? And on the X is challenge. So it goes from low challenge to the left. You got it. Low challenge to the left to high challenge on the right. The vertical, right? The Y axis goes from low support on the bottom to high support on the top. And so in the top right quadrant okay. is um, it's, it's being a liberated leader. And a liberated leader has high support, high challenge. That's a culture of empowerment and opportunity, right? Uh, bottom left, low support, low challenge is abdicated leader. Bottom right, high challenge, low support. That's a dominant leader. That's fear and manipulation, right? It's just asking people to get it done. And then top left is all support, very little challenge, and that's a protective leader. That's someone who's, you know, they create a culture of entitlement and mistrust. The reason this is such a powerful tool, dude, is that what it comes down to is most people don't know how to bring challenge. And they feel like that's supposed to be, uh, supposed to look like um, a bunch of conflict, super negative, um, very difficult, you know, um, just an unpleasant experience. And so they become a protective leader. And a protective leader is someone who's bringing the support. They're not bringing the challenge. It's like, David, yeah, okay, you missed the deadline. That's okay. Do you think maybe Tuesday? Okay, let's try for Tuesday. And David keeps missing it. And, but he never knows that he's really pissing off the, the founder or the, or the company, right? So you got a contractor, a drywaller is not making it. You just keep letting them miss the, miss the mark. But then when it comes to the next project, you don't hire him. That's, that's the culture of entitlement and mistrust mm. because he feels like he's doing a good job because David keeps telling him he's doing a good job. And he's doing okay, but he didn't get the job. He didn't get the next project. And he's like, all right, well, man, I don't know if I can trust David. He's telling me I'm doing well, but he's not hiring me. What's the deal? And it's because you didn't know how to bring challenge to him. 
didn't know how to tell him like, Hey dude, um, you keep missing the deadline. So is, is there something I'm, I'm, can I communicate it to you better? Is there something I'm not, you know, like, is there something getting lost in translation here? Like we really needed it done Friday and Friday keeps coming and going and it's not happening. What do you need for me in order to make sure we're hitting the deadline? And you're just letting them know like, Hey, I really like you, but I, I can't afford to keep missing deadlines. And so let me know what you need and we'll figure it out. Or maybe I'm just not the right uh, client for you and bring in that challenge. Mm. But a lot of us don't know how to do it. We're either passive aggressive or we don't say anything. We just don't hire them again. <laughs> and so that that's being a protective leader, right? And so here's the thing, man. Um, I want to hear what you have to say. Here's the thing. We're robbing us of an opportunity to take a B player to an A player. But also, guess what's going to happen? Next project, got to find another freaking drywaller because the last guy mm. didn't cut it. But you didn't give him an opportunity to cut it, right? Now, you communicate that to him and he still doesn't show up. Yeah, then you fire him. You know that you've given him, you've done everything you could. But a lot of times we don't do that. We're just like, oh, yeah, it looks okay. Here's a check. And we're like, never hiring that guy again. But you didn't tell him. And so we're robbing ourselves of a relationship where you could have used that drywaller over and over and over again, right? Now, there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, well, it's a freaking guy. He should know how to run his own business. Yeah, I know. He should. But some people just don't know how to do it. And they need a little bit of a nudge, right? And those become your A contractors and they're married to you for life. They're like, dude, anything David needs, man, he gave me a chance, right? He taught me how to operate my business. He taught me how to level up. And now whenever he calls, I'm dropping everything and I'm coming to him, right? And that's an idealistic way to look at it. Now, the other thing is, and that's why they become liberated, right? So you bring them support and challenge. Um, you empower them, you give them opportunity, and then they become liberated. And now, like, they're another liberated leader. Now, for the folks that are dominating, they bring all challenge and no support. They're just like, hey, dude, what do I need to explain it to you? Like, you're the drywaller. Get it, get it done. Figure it out. They ask you a question. You're like, just figure it out. It's what I hired you for. But not mm. everybody, not everybody um, understands that. Not, not everybody has the same sort of level of challenge or support that they need, right? So you got to calibrate to that person. They may need a little more handholding. They may need a little more explanation. Maybe your drywaller is a guardian and he needs like all the I's dotted, T's crossed, but then he's going to do an incredible job for you. And so understanding how to bring proper support and challenge to each individual um, is how you have an opportunity to really liberate them and those become your A players. Why are we laughing? Man, I was laughing because you you got me right in the the gut there with your uh so I'm a on the disc profile, right? I'm a 99 I. I'm the the influencer personality. And uh what that means is that challenging people is uh goes against like every part of my internal clock that is like but dave you really deep down you want everybody to like you mm -hmm. oh but dave you you've got a you know what are they gonna think if you call them on their bs and but dave and i've had to overcome that and the funny thing is the first when i first started learning to overcome it, it was in the marine corps and it oh man i swung way too hard to the other side it was like I'm so uncomfortable with like conf like not even conflict. I don't mind. Like if someone, if there's something wrong with between me and a friend, I'm the first one to pick up the phone call and fix it. But like challenging an employee or a subordinate or whatever, and be like, Hey dude, like I am so guilty of what you just said, where it's like, I'm just not going to hire that guy again. And, um, and that's what I was laughing about. But then I think like, man, when I first started kind of learning this stuff, I swung so far to the other side that I remember just like, it was like screaming at people in the, in the barracks about 
stupid stuff. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is not me. And this is definitely not balance. What is, what is this crap? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's it. I've never heard it explained with the challenge and support uh, matrix. And that's a really simple, like visual uh, for exactly what <laughs> I think on, on one of those axes is everybody struggles. Yes. Yeah, man. And the thing is, is like it, it, different relationships we do, like we might dominate a certain person in our, in our category or in our, in our sphere, another person we might protect too much. We might abdicate like for you, if you're not interested in the books, you abdicate to the bookkeeper. You're like, man, just, I just need to know that you're doing it. But like, I, otherwise I don't ever want to hear about the books again, you know? And so different people in different scenarios and your personal and business life, you're going to treat differently. You might not be totally dominant with everybody if you're a dominator. Um, but the other thing is, is that, and I think it's something I want to make sure we underscore is the word is calibrate, right? So it's calibrated to the person. And so somebody might need a swift kick in the rear. Like I've got four kids. They're all different. And some of them, they need to get kicked in the ass. Like they need to get kicked really hard, right? Not physically kicked, but you know what I mean? Whereas other ones, they're like, they've got their own <laughs> internal yeah. challenge, right? Like, I don't need to bring them a bunch of challenge. They've got their own enough challenge internally on their own. They just need some support to come alongside that so that they can be liberated, right? And so if it's calibrated to the person, then, and this again, this is why it's so important to understand people's voices and how they operate. And you can either have them take it or they can you can make inferences. It doesn't matter. But either way, understanding those different people. And the thing is, is like right now, as we're talking, the listener and also you yourself, David, you're thinking about different people that you run into on a regular basis. And you're like, you can really think like, man, you know what? That guy dude, he needs a little more challenge. Like he's always late on stuff or he's underperforming. I need to like really, I need to bring that dude more challenge. And understanding it's it's not a negative thing. It doesn't even need to be conflict, right? It's just like, hey, dude, you know what? Here's what we've committed as a, as a company. We've committed that we all have our KPIs and we've got deadlines and all of us are going to hold the same standard. Like nobody's above the law here. And so we're going to all de- 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 you know determine that Wednesdays at 12, all KPIs are in. This is non-negotiable. And so let me know if that's not clear. I can communicate a different way. Let me know if that deadline's an issue. And then this is you bringing support. And then we can figure out why that's an issue so we can overcome it. Because it's just—it's kind of a non-negotiable, man. Noon on Wednesdays, this is when KPIs are in. And then when he's late, then you're like, hey, dude, we have a, we're, we're going to have to write you up. I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is, this is the deal. And then you just know, like, Dave is not messing around. Now, this is a culture shift, and it doesn't happen overnight. So if you're in a situation, a person's in a situation where they're used to not bringing any challenge at all, I mean, it's going to take some time. And they're going to have to realize, and it's got to be reinforced, like, oh, okay, dude, he was serious. He is not messing around. Like, he actually is going to hold my feet to the fire. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really good. All right, so there's there's one other uh, thing that I wanted to ask you about, and then, uh, well, then we'll get to something a little bit fun at the end, probably. Um, I'm curious about, like, with all this leadership piece, right? There's a whole lot of, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that plays into it. Um, one of the things I think that keeps men specifically going, but I mean, it applies to everyone, but especially men. And I think it's really, really uh, critical in, you know, what, especially for service members when they leave the military is finding their purpose, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have a purpose, um, I mean, men just struggle, everyone struggles, but men specifically without a purpose, just kind of flounder. And the veteran community has all kinds of 
you know, mental health issues with guys retiring. And I think a lot of it stems from losing their identity and or their sense of like purpose when they leave the military. And I'm just curious, you know, with all the leadership stuff, is that something you have experience helping people kind of sort out like what they should be doing? Yeah. So there's, there are many tools, but one of the um, offerings that we have is called an intensive and we'll actually spend two days together. And what we work through is your story. Um, and so that's your nurture, right? It's like, it's like your timelines and the inflection points, both positive and negative, what they were and what they mean to you and understanding kind of how that's affected you. Um, and then your voice, which is your nature, man. It's just like how you were made, right? It's like um, your DNA. And then we talk about choice and choice is kind of like how those two things have affected you and what you're going to do about it. Um, and the reason that those are important, they're foundational because we make a lot of decisions that are knee jerk and um, natural to us, but they're informed by those two things. And, you know, for me going through my own coaching journey, you know, as being coached, um, I wanted to know like what the monkey was on my back. And I remember my coach, Mike, was asking me, he's like, dude, what do you mean? So what is it? I go, oh, I don't know. It's I've had it. I've been carrying it so long. It's like body weight, man. It's like an appendage. Like I'm just used to carrying it around. So I don't know what it is. It's just become part of me. And so I want to know what it is and I want to get it off, you know. And um, that's the choice, man. Like that's understanding that the cards you were dealt, nature, the nurture and how like you were brought up like how that formed you and then you get to have the choice to be like all right i'm gonna use this as a positive right it's like kyle maynard the guy with no arms and no legs that's i don't know what he climbed mount kilimanjaro or something like talk about someone who's like oh here's my nature and nurture and then i'm gonna make the choice to have being an inspiration to people right and so we work through that and then we start talking about your rhythms and all that and so um inevitably through that process you really get to know like who you are and how you were formed and how your situation formed you. And it, you start to tease out, man, these superpowers. And um, again, on my journey, I was, it's just teasing out the superpowers because the quote that I, I'm always sharing is from a good friend of mine, Zach, you know, when you want to find your purpose, he's like, there's three questions to answer. Very simple, but yet difficult, right? What are your superpowers? What do you want the work to look like? And what do you want the incentives to be? Answering those three questions will allow you to be on the path to your purpose. Now, are you going to find and be perfectly aligned to your purpose? Maybe, maybe not, maybe never. But you'll be much closer to your path, uh, on your path to purpose than you would be otherwise. Because you need to know, like, what are you good at? And the thing is, you said the word identity, which is key, David. And this is the thing I got to remind myself all the time. Military is not who you are. It's what you did. That's not your identity, dude. Yeah. I'm a founder. It's not my identity. Identity is way deeper than that. This is a vocation, yeah. right? The job yep. is not who you are. You're military. Yeah, cool. That's what you did. That's not who you are, right? And so digging several layers deeper, it's like, no, 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 no. This nature, nurture choice put you on the path to be in the military, and now you're not in the military, but you're still David. You're still a military vet that's listening, right? Like, that's not who you are. You know, and that's the thing. Like, guys, they lose their job. They lose their profession. They go out there. They retire from the military, and they're lost. It's because they were all wrapped up. They thought their, their work was their identity. It's like, no, you're, that's, that's your profession, dude. 
That's part of why you're put on this earth. It's mm-hmm. not the whole story. And that's, that's something that you really got to like dig into. And the thing is, is like, once you dig deeper and you start to learn these things that I just talked to you about, then you're like, oh, these superpowers could be in the military. Superpowers could be in XYZ industry, you know? It's like Leif Babin, right? And Jocko Willink. Like, these guys are doing, they're coaches mm-hmm. now. Would you ever have thought, like, yeah. you know, who should be a coach? A SEAL. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? But it's these, these guys had superpowers. Yeah. The superpowers are really great in the military. Superpowers really great in, in, in business and in leadership. Right? And so getting those superpowers, man, and then, and, then, and then taking that and being like, all right, what do I want the work to look like? And not having to answer that question right away. But once you see the superpowers, you can't unsee them. And then you start to be like, oh, shoot. You know, it's like the example I always use is like, you know, when you decide you want to buy a red Jeep. I don't know who wants to buy a red Jeep. But if somebody wants to buy a red Jeep, all of a sudden you see red Jeeps everywhere, right? They were there the whole time. You're just noticing them now. So mm-hmm. you find those superpowers, dude. And then you're like, all right, now I start looking out for jobs that use those superpowers and you'll start to find work in industries you never even considered. Then you figure out what you want the incentives to be. Maybe it's pay. Maybe it's flexibility. Maybe you want to travel. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But like answer those three questions and that'll help you figure out what your identity is. And then it'll open up a ton of opportunities you didn't know existed. Probably some of them right in front of your face where you can flex the same muscles that maybe you didn't even put words to the same muscles that you utilize in the military, you can utilize in other places and maybe even for like even more fulfilling, more, even more purposeful. Maybe not. I don't know, but that's, that's, that's how I approach it, man. I think that's huge. I think that's a great, great answer. And I agree with you on the identity piece. Like that was the thing I had to teach myself to remind myself, like, yes, David, you are a Marine, but you are more than just a Marine. Yeah. That's not who you are. That's your occupation. But the Marine Corps does such a good job of, uh, especially out of all the other branches, right? Like the identity and the purpose and everything, like being tied up, like instead of being, if you're in the army, you, you're a soldier, but if you're in the Marine Corps, you're a Marine. And like, there's this whole identity thing where they're like, you're a Marine, you're a Marine, you're a Marine, you're a Marine. And then you get out and you're like, all right, but also shit, who's, Dave. I'm Dave. Yeah. Crap. What does I spent 13 years losing my personality? What is, who is Dave? Yeah. It was a very weird, uh, shift. And it's one that I know every service member goes through, no matter how prepared they are when they leave the military, it is a culture shock. And I think that those tools are like, that's, that's going to be super helpful to a lot of people, but all right. I got one more for you. Um, how the heck do you find time to travel the world? (laughs) <laughs> I say travel the world, but I mean, like you've got, you founded five, five companies. Yeah. Leadership coaching. Obviously you're not a, uh, you know, a bum. You're a busy dude. Um, yeah. uh, and from what I remember, you traveled the world in an RV or traveled the U S in an RV this year. Well, not, it wasn't this year. It was, um, oh. several years ago, but, um, I mean, dude, I've always worked remote. And so, um, I'm not good at very many things, but being efficient is pretty as one of them. Um, I also, you know, we've got, I'm married almost 20 years, four kids and we've homeschooled. And so it's not the life for everybody, but we have, um, we have traveled a lot. We did about 30,000 miles in an RV, like all over the country. We didn't cover all the States, but I think, you know, we're we're beyond 30 now. Um, 
And for us, man, it was like an intentional sort of move. I'm sure it slowed our business down. But um, for me, it was like, you know, I wanted the kids to have life experience. I wanted them to see the country. And I am a big proponent of learning by doing. And so I, I'm not, I, I hate book work. I hate theory. I, I, I don't like, you know, work and see learning things on paper, which are still important. Um, but you know what sticks is actually doing the thing. Oh, yeah. Like when the kids were like, oh, that thing I read about. Oh, that's Mount Rushmore. Oh, that's what it looks like. And they see it in like living color. They remember that stuff. Yep. Like those lessons stick. Um, so, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's the thing for us. And so, I, I mean, it's not the lifestyle for everybody, but working remote, stay-at-home mom, my wife, and uh, homeschooled kids. So that was a recipe for getting in a van and cramming all of us in like sardines and and uh and seeing a bunch of states dude i love it i was homeschooled all but one semester and nice uh, you know we we got to do we didn't rv but we did a lot of road trips a lot of camping uh it was good times it was a lot of good times yeah for sure it's good memory uh anything that we missed that you think we should have covered i know um you know dude i here's the thing like you know we're talking a lot about coaching we're talking a lot about tools um i think the last thing and something i wish i would learn a long time ago but the the value of having a trusted advisor um someone Mm -hmm. that you can bounce ideas off of that it doesn't have all of the emotional attachment that can point to the thing that you're doing that's dumb and say hey dude that's dumb or i don't recommend that or have you thought about no. this and ask you the hard questions? Um, I just, I want the listeners, especially like the business owners that either are starting up or they're, you know, they've got some success. Make sure you've got a, 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 a trusted advisor or two or three. Um, maybe have a board. Uh, it may sound like something that's too big for your britches, but it's not. Um, you know, over the last 10 years, I've had several folks that I can point to as trusted advisors that can call me on my BS. Um, and you've got your no BS sign behind you, right? So I think that, you, right, nice. I, I just think that that's, that's immensely undervalued. And the thing is, is like the personality that starts a business typically thinks they don't need that. Or mm. they don't want their idea to be, you don't want holes pointed in your, uh, poked in your eye. Yeah, you don't want it. So you're not going to, you're not going to ask for the advice because then you won't get the advice that you don't want to hear. Right. Um, like self-fulfilling prophecy or something, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so like, I think Absolutely. just have somebody in your corner where you're gonna like, Hey man, you can call and be like, Hey dude, is this stupid? Like, dude, you know, try me on this, punch some holes in it. And the idea of uh, strong opinions loosely held, right. So I think it's an Andreessen quote. And they're, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm quoting the wrong firm. It doesn't matter. You know, there's like six or seven of them. And their whole mode of operation was like, hey, Peter brings an idea. All six of us, whether we love it or not, we're going to act like we hate it. And we're going to punch holes in it. And Peter's job is to defend it. And if he's not willing to defend it, he must That's not like it that much. Right. So I think like the power of having people like that in your corner, they're going to call you on your BS, punch holes in it, ask you hard questions save you from a lot of uh what's this keith cunningham um um what's that stupid book called um uh dang it the road less stupid um and he's like mm. you know people like that they're gonna ask those questions that, yes and they could save you from what he calls the dumb tax right um i would yep. like to pay a lot less dumb tax please 
And so, um, that, those are my, those are my parting words, man. I think just have, you know, get, get someone, if you don't have an advisor, it doesn't have to be something formal. It doesn't have to be paid. Just have someone you can call that you respect, um, that you think has the, the street smarts and the wisdom to share that can just like call you on it man, and maybe talk to them once a month and be like, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what, these are my roadblocks. These are my impediments. These are my obstacles, you know, and have someone in your corner that can help you. It can be a coach, can be an advisor can be formal, can be paid, can be not, whatever, but just have that person. Yeah, that's huge. And where can people get a hold of you? Um, I've got a, a free resource. They can go to petergift.com. Um, and what is that thing called? Like that. It's like f- five. Um, Petergift.com. That's easy. Well, it just, you know, it's easier than, so uh, the business is called Whitestone Coach. Um, but that'll take them there and, uh, five ways to becoming a better leader overnight. So I've got a free, get that free, um, resource that we put together. Otherwise you can email me Peter at whitestonecoach.com and, uh, and we can talk, man, but I'm just glad to be here, man. I appreciate it. No, I love it. This has been great. I've loved getting to talk to you a few times over the last couple months and, or I guess it's been a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing I leave everyone with is uh, I've, I've not been really good about the outro piece, but if you're not in the Facebook group, you should be. It's a bunch of free education and information. And, but more importantly, if you've been on the fence about the War Room Mastermind, right, Peter's going to be coming to speak to us here in the very near future. And yeah. that is uh, just one of the show, you know, kind of the level of people that we bring in and that community. So that's going to be if you wanted the opportunity for you know, actually being able to ask questions yourself and get feedback and, and everything, uh, that's, that's the place to be. And so I'm going to leave with that and say, Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, man. It's been fun.